Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. I am Dan Colacott, your host. And we will be talking about our favourite hip-hop songs of the 90s. But before we begin, you on point, Murs? All the time, Dan. You on point, Teach? All the time, Dan. You on point, Murs? All the time, Dan. Well, let's grab the microphones and let our words stand. Yay! <laughs> you don't know, listeners, you don't know how many times you practice that. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I'm not sure. I'm not sure we still got it right. And it probably still probably still sounds terrible, but you know, we do this for you, the listeners, because we are professionals. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, Dan? <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask, TJ. But uh, yeah, from a generational point of view, you can probably tell that all three of us are of a similar age. And for us, the golden era of hip hop, which I think, I mean, God, it must be the golden era of hip hop for everyone who's into hip hip hop. Hip- well, any, anyone that was born the uh, the other side of two thousand, probably. <laughs> anyone born this side of two thousand, not so much. I don't think. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna cover that later. Yeah. What we think of uh, current hip hop standards. But yeah, I would say that the 90s was an incredible decade for hip-hop artists. But before we go into that, uh, I think we've got to almost pull apart what exactly makes a good hip-hop song. You know, Why were the bands that we love, the groups, the artists, the solo rappers, you know, why, what made that era as good as it was, and why can't that be recreated now? But before we go to that, uh, starting with uh, Mr. Imran, why do you think uh, the decade that was the 90s was so incredible for hip-hop? Great question, Dan. Um, I, uh, it, was a, it was incredible. It was really, really exciting. I often think back on 90s and think, like, what a an amazing kind of time to be experiencing music, but also uh, sort of that generation of, of hip hop, which was, which was amazing. It was a sort of in a time really kind of indicative of where, of the genre as, as an actual money-making kind of commodity, I think in its own right. I think it's, it's almost like people sort of stopped and thought there's money, not just money to be made from this, but there is, there's money being made from this. And we're seeing this sort of the advent of like the hip hop, megastar in like Tupac or Biggie or Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg or, and all these kind of names, Jay-Z, Nas, and all these people are sort of rising to prominence. And it's sort of exciting to kind of see it unfold. And that was kind of the thing about the 90s. I kind of look at it as a genre that was kind of figuring itself out as, as it went. And that was really exciting to kind of see. You had all these different silos 
um you know you had if you like jazz rap they you know they were in this corner over here if you like conscious hip-hop then that was in the corner over there from neo soul to rock rap gangster rap everyone had their sort of little corners and it was kind of exciting to see all these things unfold kind of at the same time and people sort of trying new things it was a really um sort of an innovative era uh, in hip-hop and i think we it's very easy to take the genre for granted now because when you see the things that were being done back then, it was just so exciting to kind of see people doing new things and trying new things. I remember, um, I can't remember what year it was, uh, 97, probably 98, when uh, Puffy did the, um, do you remember the Godzilla song? Uh, the Godzilla Come With Me, the Jimmy Page riff. Yeah. And I remember That's watching cool. Trevor Nelson uh, on The Lick and uh, he he kind of this is a weird thing to point out, but he kind of looked at it and he he's just said I I don't get this like I don't you know I think Puffy's going off on a little bit of a tangent here, and I remember thinking no this is surely this is the dream that you're getting hip hop crossover into all these different kind of uh, genres and artists you know uh, he was doing songs with Sting, uh, Q Tip did songs with Corn you know we had all these kind of really exciting things unfolding. And it was all being done at that time. And, you know, some things worked and some things didn't. We often talk mm. about the, uh, the, on past episodes, we've discussed the Blade 2 soundtrack. And, you know, it was a soundtrack that had hip-hop kind of heavyweights, like The Roots and Mo Def and Ice Cube paired with um, uh, dance kind of uh, legends like Ronnie Size and BT and Massive Attack. And that kind of project now nobody would blink an eye at it in terms of it being an unusual thing but back then that was it was groundbreaking it was you're kind of seeing hip-hop adopt all these new uh, collaborations and ideas and everything was it was changing quite rapidly in that time and just a really kind of exciting time to see these things happen and kind of unfold the way they did nice good answer uh tj what say you uh what was the question again no um <laughs> no um i think i, I you know i'm, I'm not going to retread uh what imran said there i, I agree uh totally although uh, one thing i would kind of and I, I, this is the hip-hop snob in me coming out of it i think when you got to the late 90s when those collaborations started to happen um i think you you, you actually said it that a lot of them some worked, some didn't. And I think it, it was starting to get to the point of jumping the shark a little bit in, in some of the stuff that was trying to happen because it was commercially viable and uh, people were like seeing there was money in hip hop and, you know, kind of trying to drag hip hop into lots of different directions. And the guys that had established themselves in the early to mid nineties were now like making a lot of money and just kind of churning stuff out um, to keep the dollars rolling. So I mean that that's to me was there was a little bit of a um yeah a bit of that started the downward trend in my eyes anyway again this is all super subjective you know because people grow up in different areas of things and appreciate different areas of things as as they go along but I think for me the 90s really was you know obviously hip hop didn't start in the 90s it started mm. in the you know 70s and 80s but I think 70s and 80s hip hop was kind of the 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 original seeds from where hip hop came from you know a lot of the 
a lot of the technology that was used to make beats, a lot of, you know, a lot of the loops and, and tracks that were used, you know, sampling old, you know, um, R&B songs, old soul records, all that kind of stuff, cutting, scratching, electro, all that stuff kind of established it, established in the late 70s, early 80s. But in, I think the 90s, you saw um, everything that had been birthed in the 80s kind of really came to fruition in the 90s with, you know, guys like Pete Rock, Dr. Dre, all those producers, Puffy when he first landed, all those guys were doing, you know, had seen the stuff that would, that would, that was done in the 80s and kind of really refined it and honed it into, you know, some of the, arguably some of the greatest hip-hop albums and tracks and stuff that we've ever seen in the genre for a long period of time. And I think, um, you know, that's what the 90s encapsulates to me, the kind of everything just being galvanised and, and reaching its kind of fullest potential, to like, um, creatively. Um, and also, it just, like, I think Imran touched on this as well, just creatively the expanse of um, start, like, you know, the variety in the, the types of beats, the types of flows, the, you know, rapping styles, the way people were presented, it was so much variety across the board. Whereas, again, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a ragging on current hip hop and old man shouts at clouds and all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> I, but I, when I listen to a lot of uh, current hip hop, a lot of it to me does sound very homogenized, and it, it does uh, kind of follow a, a, a familiar, uh, sorry, a familiar formula across the board. Um, in terms of the way that you know the way rappers flow and the, and the beats, and not to say there isn't outliers and there, you know there isn't there isn't still creativity and new guys coming through that are trying to do different things and and that sort of thing. But to me, stuff in the nineties, people are experimenting with things and trying different trying different styles, and you know there was so much variety and creativity out there um, that. Uh, hasn't it doesn't feel as though it's it's reached that that same sort of um, standard uh, for me. But yeah, I, I think that's you know I've waffled on a bit. But I think the nineties to me was just kind of you know they call it the golden era of hip hop for a reason. So yeah, no, yeah, very good answer. Yeah, I, I think for me it, it was really interesting because my kind of relationship with music in the nineties. I kind of started off um, really kind of following a lot of, you know, rock and metal bands because to me they had something different to say than a lot of what was in the mainstream at that time. You know, it was a different message, whereas a lot of kind of pop music, even though, don't get me wrong, there's some fantastic pop music, which I appreciate more now than I did back then, mm. but it didn't have any substance. And then when I started listening to some of these artists and groups, um, you know, on Yo! MTV raps and watching the videos and, and, you know, watching the stuff that, I don't know, it was so, so kind of aggressive and hard-hitting and, and it, it told so many different stories. And it, I never really knew until that point that music could be like that, you know. At times, it, it was hard to differentiate between what what was really happening what what was actually you know what is truth what is fiction <laughs> and, and there was so much to unpack 
in the you know the backstories, the lives of each member of each group and where they lived and where they grew up and and the crime and the kind of you know the deprived social scene and the whole you know battles with local police and it it just went on and on it just kind of opened up this universe which got more and more involved as you had different record labels fighting against each other in different groups basically involved or indirectly or directly in, in killing one another uh, over the fact that you know east side west side and and i think you know there there was something incredible in this kind of rap universe that that really reached its peak in the 90s because the the amount of characters the amount of people the amount of players in the game was just you know it was incredible um and i know i've always obsessed over the fact that what doesn't happen now enough i'm not saying you know i'm not saying there aren't artists who don't who who do this but it feels like back then the every single big hip hop rap group they were going out and sourcing the most incredible you know jazz um you know and soul um samples from the from the 60s and 70s and even the 50s um and r&b samples and they were getting combining hip hop with with soul and r&b and bringing singers in whereas you know to your point tj i feel like a lot of um modern rappers would rather get would rather use auto tune than a, than an actual singer <laughs> yeah. um so yeah it, it's um yeah i i think for for me it was a, a, an incredible journey through music in the 90s uh purely because of hip hop and the fact that the the MTV music video was so integral to all of the the you know the big artists everyone had to have a video for every single yeah. and yo reps was just so good back in the day with Ed Love and Dr Dre that was my that was my jam man i had so many of those episodes recorded on VHS um and i used to watch them again over and over and over again so good yeah exactly and it was incredible because they used to drop ridiculous budgets on those videos i mean you you think back to uh california love uh with <laughs> with tupac i mean that that and dr dre that video they must have dropped probably a million dollars or more on the actual budget for mm. for recreating almost an entire mad max set but things like that just don't really happen now i i, I don't but know then- but then conversely, like you get stuff like that, you get like the big or the like the big Hype Williams shiny eye I, I fish bowl, whatever it is, videos that you always used to do. You get like, like those crazy top end, but then you get like stuff like Black Moon where they just like shoot a video and like the streets of Harlem standing around like a, a barrel that's on fire for like all of the video or something like that. Or you get like really funny stuff that uh, like, um, uh, Digital Underground always used to have like the funniest, like stupidest <laughs> videos, and the, 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 that's what I mean in terms of the variety. Like you'd get stuff ranging from gritty New York streets to shiny Hollywood, Las Vegas, whatever, to random comedy 
like nonsense and and everything in between. It was it was just yeah, such a good time. So I think it's worth. I I I know this is a difficult. It's a difficult topic because trying to pick any one group that had the biggest influence on each of us is. Yeah, I mean that's that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I'm not uh, doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If, if starting with Imran, if you were to pick your top three, Ooh. I, I know it's a difficult one, but your your top three kind of biggest hip hop artists or group of the nineties, what what what? Where would you go with that? I mean, um, all of them. I'll be <laughs> I'll be a bit um, broad with my first pick because it's it's really the only honest pick. But I I I was a big um, Bad Boy Records fan, and I really attribute like Puffy and them lot for getting me like, as a fan into hip hop because I was really I, I was very into R and B um, at the time, like uh, uh, Usher and uh, uh, One Twelve and Total and their their segue into like hip hop acks and like biggie appearing oh, i missed the lover man Jeez. Well, sexy time i was, sexy uh, time I, was in, him, I was in a... <laughs> <laughs> well okay well that's that i was going to make a point about that a little bit later on actually but about in terms that's, that's of that's all that's all that's all baby making music in man i know what well, you're all about now. I, I, i'm on to you son <laughs> Well, I was an R and B fan, so that was my segue into hip hop. And it was really like um, that, like that kind of bad boy records, like uh, like Mace. I was I, I loved what he was doing, and Biggie subsequently became a really big uh, Biggie fan. That was kind of my my entry point. I think um, I liked individual songs before then, but I think as a group, they're really what ushered me. And so I think it's fair to say them, uh, the Roots, had a ginormous impact uh on me i think the first song of theirs i heard was what they do and um that was the one where they kind of riff off of 90s um kind of well biggie videos uh i think probably more specifically but they kind of yeah just people running and have these captions of all these events that happen in different videos and nonsensical running down the street and things like that it was very very (laughs) very cool video um but that one changed my entire perspective i think in in a massive way and the third one, um, I would m- probably say, oh man, it's a, kind of a toss up between Gangstar and Tribe because I kind of got into them both. That's so late. Uh, that's, that's so funny. I'm looking at a list of names right now, and those are the two names I'm flicking between. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I mean, again, I, 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 I'd love to lay claim to say something like I got on them really, really like early, but I, I didn't it, because of the route I took. I really became a fan sort of mid, like mid to late nineties. So I, I remember the first mm. Gangstar tune I heard was full clip. And by then that, that, that was from the album that celebrated their 10 years in the industry. Yeah. So <laughs> I was mega late, but um, that was, I, I ended up buying that double disc and just thinking, this is amazing. Um, and, but also tribe. And again, the tribe album that I would cite was Beats, Rhymes, and Life. That was the first tribe album I ever heard, which had uh, Jay Dilla on uh, production for like half the album. And um, that for that was a that's always the most special tribe album for me because it was the introduction to Tribe and JD. So yeah, so uh, it's kind of a toss up between between those ones for me. So I've given you four, I guess. Good picks, TJ. Uh, 
This is actually easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, it's super easy for me. Notorious B.I.G., Snoop Dogg. And, and then after that, it gets a bit fuzzy. Um, probably... Waka waka! No, that's, that's <laughs> not, not fuzzy. Sorry, fuzzy. <laughs> You do a Chris Jericho joke for a minute. Um, I nearly went there. I there. <laughs> um, I'd probably go Tribe, I think. And I, I, I kind of base... Actually, it's probably a toss-up between Pete Rock's Hills Move and Tribe. Because when I think about um, artists, hip-hop artists that have had an influence on me, I always my first thing is always uh, their flow. And is their flow something that I can listen to, like, you know, forever? And, you know, is it distinctive? Does it, you know, does it do something for me? And, you know, Snoop and and Biggie just, like, both of them so unique, so just crazy talented, so clever in their wordplay. Um, You know, obviously they had incredible producers backing them up as well, but... You know, just two phenomenal talents that, you know, I listened the shit out of Doggy Style and uh, same for Ready to Die as well. Um, and also when I, when I think of albums that I can listen to from track one to track, you know, 12 repeatedly and not have to skip over anything, those two albums, um, you know, easily. Um, but then I kind of think, you know, again, and I, I don't know for people that, aren't deep into the hip hop, you know, they may have heard of Pete Rock, maybe not so much CL Smooth, but I think he's like a massively underrated um rapper. He's like one of I mean he's called CL Smooth and also got one of the smoothest flows like, you know I've ever I've ever heard. Um but again I, I think I kind of got onto them quite late. Um Mecca and the Soul Brother was is the album of theirs that I kind of played the most. Um and yeah, just just absolutely adore Pete Rock's just a phenomenal producer, mm. possibly one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Yeah. Um, although Premiere's ridiculous, but anyway. Um but yeah, uh those two together are just such a force of nature and you know, try to get all the plaudits rightfully so, because you know, they are phenomenally great, but low key Pete Rock's heels move, I think. Um if people more people kind of give them time of day. They'll they'll be pleasantly surprised. I think. Okay, is that is that three? How many is That's that? Smith three three and a half three. Yeah, three. That's three. So what about you, Dan? Name. Give us your three. Uh, yeah. Even though, even though vanilla, I, I, vanilla ice, snow, <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and oh, uh, snap. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I had, to deep, I, had to, I had to dig deep for that one. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, yeah. Is, is, this the episode, low. is this the episode where you do the snow informer bit? Uh, like I mean, that could, be why, that, could, that could be why I lined that one up. But, yeah, you know. yeah. It's a smooth thing. <laughs> Maybe at the end, okay. possibly. If I, can, if I can remember it. You, you can yeah. remember it. Oh. <laughs> So even though I posed this question as you were both talking, I was thinking, I can't. It's really difficult to to find the the entry point because there there was so many 
different groups I was listening to at the same time. And I'm trying to think, well, what, what was the one hook? Um, and I oh, think- it, wait, sorry. Are you talking about entry point or favourites? Entry point is very- Yeah, my Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, we'll pick up on that, on that in a bit. Yeah, Go on, so- then, sorry. Your three favourites. Yeah, it, it, it's... Yeah, exactly. I'm not not saying the first the first hip hop I ever heard and liked. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 trying to talk talk about the 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 group that I first listened to that then I consistently went through right. with them. Um, now I think to be honest, it was probably Cypress Hill and Funk Dubious were the first um, oh, Funk Dubious, nice. <laughs> the first two acts that I listened to a lot, along with N.W.A. And then, yeah, I, I think I'm not going to go on about Tribe, but they, they, but I didn't actually find Tribe the way I think everyone else found Tribe. I found Tribe via Della Soul um, and Queen Latifah, and, and because they were yeah, a whole they hang out all the time, yeah, we, a whole always in those tracks, yeah. <laughs> I think they were all on the uh, the What's the Scenario video. I think all of them were on that video. Like, I'm yeah. sure Queen Latifah's on there. Della Soul's definitely in there. I'm I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, they're they're all in the same video. Oh, and Jungle Brothers. But yeah, yes, so the yeah. but I think the, the 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 group that had the biggest impact were were definitely Wu Tang Clan. When when that when their first album dropped, I was just like hooked. I was absolutely mesmerized by that album. Um, and obviously, a little bit later on, there was kind of Grave Diggers and there was all the, all the solo albums. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I kind of. I found a lot of the other artists you guys have been talking about at different times and through different kind of really aggressively trying to look at other artists that I should know. I don't think I had the greatest um, synergy with gangster rap at the time. I said, apart from NWA, I wasn't really picking up on on a lot. Of, you know, I was very late to the whole... Um, Biggie Smalls and and Puff Daddy and all that that kind of hmm. jazz. Even even Snoop Dogg. You know, I, I was a Beastie Boys fan. Hmm. Um, I was I was that that kind of a. Um, Which makes sense from when thinking about how you what you were listening to before and how you your your way into like following hip hop and make like the kind of stuff you're talking about, like Cypress Hill, the Beastie Boys, that kind of stuff. You know that that's all that kind of skateboarder, that kind of sound, kind of links with the rock side. So that all kind of makes sense, really. Yeah, no, no, no very true. And then, yeah, I, I think because, and I know I've said this many times on other podcasts. I, I got MTV when I was, well, it was probably about nineteen ninety. I think it was eleven or twelve when I when I first started watching music videos, almost like twenty four seven. I. I was obsessed with recording them and recording Yo MTV raps, and that—that that was. I know it shouldn't be. <laughs> it shouldn't be the influence it is in terms of you know just because something has a good video doesn't mean it's a good song. But I think that was what gave me the most exposure. Um, you know, I would have never found hip hop acts like The Coup. Uh, I'd never found hip hop acts like um, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. There, there are so many, you know, Juru, the Damager. There's, there's so many artists that, if it wasn't for, you know, MTV and the OMTV raps, I would never have discovered 
these artists and these were the ones that I I would you know every Saturday go to my local record shop and, and just try and find their work and get their cassette tape back then um, mm. and that was that was an obsession um, as well as I, you know I think to the point of the whole rock thing yeah you know, I, I was also obsessed with Rage Against the Machine so I was constantly mm. looking out for different artists who would collaborate um, and, and create kind of, you know, rock, uh, rock, so metal, hip hop um, covers and, and songs. And, and again, most of that happened on, on some of the, the best soundtracks, which we've, we've covered. So I think now that we've, we've, we've talked about the, uh, our top three, Kind of hip hop artists. Are there any? Are there any out there? You know, in your back catalogue that you really think were missed, as in people did didn't really appreciate um, the this act or this group that it didn't get the, the the plaudits, the kudos that it deserves. You know, what is your one unsung hero that you think you know? If if you could if you could shout out to a group you know to a group of hip hop heads now who are a different generation who who weren't around in the nineties you know what one act or band or group would you say hey guys and girls you've got to listen to this putting that question to Imran first great question um, there's two things that come to mind. The first, um, it's, it's an unusual answer, but for some reason, it's the first thing that's come to mind. Uh, do you guys know, uh, well, I'm sure you do, the the brand new heavies, Acid Jazz, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, would see, I would go and see him live. Um, oh, wicked. <clears throat> a long time ago, it was this weird, it was a weird kind of, it wasn't a private gig, but it was like a, invite only thing nice and it was in this in this like rooftop bar in leicester square it was really like fancy i don't know how i managed to get yeah could your it. life be any more perfect screw you but it was it was, <laughs> no, it was it's so random but like i think someone just like some girl was sitting and asked me if i wanted to go and i was like yeah sure um but they were awesome they were and it was like a nice little intimate like it wasn't like a concert. It was like a nice little intimate thing. And, and, and uh, yeah, it was really cool. Oh, they, they were awesome. Was Nadia yeah. Davenport a vocalist for that at that time? Uh, she I went? believe... I'll need to look at a picture mm. of her to remind myself. That but, um, uh, yeah, I, th- mm. I don't know. It was a very long time ago, to mm. be fair. Well, it sounds super cool. But my... my um, my answer would be in terms of things that sort of everyone should have is so acid jazz group, uh, uh, brand new heavies. Um, they, I think it was their second album before they had a full-time vocalist. Um, they did an album, um, and, uh, it basically paired them with, uh, with various hip hop acts. And it, it's like, I only recently discovered it like a couple of years ago. And, 
like I, it blew my mind that this album existed and just I never hear it mentioned no one ever talks about it. it's called heavy rhyme experience volume one there was never a, a subsequent volume but it basically pairs them with like 10 tracks there's a track with gangstar there's a track with far side there's a track with master killer um uh, and and various other names and it's just this this one album it's like why does why does no one ever talk about this and it just it's just a weird album to just sort of it's like their second album there's no vocal no singing on it at all and it's just an album that i'm just stunned i only recently like two years ago or so found out existed and no one ever seems to talk about it or recognize it so that that's the first thing for some reason that's come to my mind um but other oh. than that it's um this isn't really i'm not i'm not plucking deep for this one but I, I, a group that i i think everyone should own uh something by there's only two albums to them but uh diggable planets who um i i mindly obsessed with i think they're really really amazing and i think they're they're so indicative of of of, of a sort of a, a real quintessential kind of new york jazz rap uh sound and um they're yeah they're, they're an amazing amazing group and so such a shame that they only have uh two albums to their name but they have such a great kind of uh ethos and perspective uh to their mu- their music and it was awesome to, they had a, a female rapper called ladybug mecca in the collective and you know there's nothing about kind of sex uh there's no um sexualization of her is what is what i mean to say which in the 90s when you think about it it's actually quite rare uh and i just think they're a group like a real magical magical collective and um there's two albums that uh, i really do think everyone should own there yeah that's my answers okay good good great answers um so tj what would be your one or two picks um i think so it's one that i mean again i think this isn't necessarily one that um, kind of hip hop heads would uh, kind of balk at, really. But I, I, I've always felt that Jay Ruda Damager didn't really get as much traction or as credit outside of kind of hardcore hip hop heads as um, he probably deserved um, for someone who's so talented. And like his his first album. Uh, Sunrise in the East. I would recommend that album to anyone that's, um, you know, kind of looking for a bit of a slightly deeper cut into hip hop. It doesn't. It it it's produced by uh, Premier as well, so you know you know that the tracks on it are going to sound incredible. And then Jayru's just got a kind of lackadaisical style, but he's just got like a, a really cool flow. Um, makes lots of like reminiscent in some ways of uh, Wu Tang in some in some ways as well because yeah. makes a lot of references to like kung fu and uh, kung fu movies and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, incredible lyricist, um, amazing flow, very clever wordplay. DJ Premier producing. I mean, you can't go wrong. So yeah, um, Jay Ruda Damager, Sunrise in the East. Nice. phenomenal album didn't really follow up that great i mean he had a couple of good tracks but the album was was just dope came out in like 92 93 i think um yeah just sick okay that's a good pick um for me i would well i i'll give two options one which isn't digging that deep because i think all three of us have well at least two of us have picked uh at least 
yeah, I think there's two tracks in our top 100 hip hop songs of all time. Um, so yeah, it's not as if they they've completely flown under the radar. But I think when people talk about 90s hip hop, not a lot of people actually know that the Lords of the Underground exist. Ah, uh, so, yes, great shout. So I just again uh, just a very quick shout out, but. Going a little bit deeper, um, one hip-hop group that I discovered, and I don't even know where or how or why I discovered them because I can't even remember any you know, any video on MTV or, of any of their tracks, but um, The Goats, I, I th- yeah, I think they're, they had two albums. One was Tricks of the Shade, which I only discovered after I'd heard their second album which is no goats no glory and that yeah to me there it's not so much i think that as lyricists as kind of rappers they're i wouldn't say they're anything amazing or special but definitely a lot of talent but the thing that set them aside from a lot of the groups out there is the production like i don't think I'd I'd immediately put them up there with with things like Wu Tang, in terms of you know they 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 pick quite incredible and interesting themes. Yes, a lot of it is about weed. Uh, <laughs> that kind of goes with the territory. But yeah, if, if if you listen to their their albums, they they tell a story. They have these really weird skits and cat and kind of all almost cartoonish characters, and it's all very you know, it's a it's a large kind of parody of the George Bush uh, administration, and there's there's so much in those two albums which you you know you, you just don't expect to see from such a, a fringe hip hop group that that are by no means mainstream. I don't you know I I can't recall them them getting a you know a track on a, on in any chart or on MTV, but. If if you listen to those two albums, they're, 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 the production is just incredible, and and I don't think there's there's nothing similar to it that I've heard since. Um, the only person who I would, um, you know, you, you could maybe put in the same ballpark uh, is you know Cutmaster Kurt slash Doctor Octagon slash his four million other <laughs> alter egos. But um, yeah, he was probably the only guy who was doing high concept, really strange albums, and each al- album was a different alter ego and character. So it's kind of you know there, there were there was a lot of um, different hip hop artists and groups um, doing things like that at that time, uh, and generally going. Not not completely under the radar. I think there were there were some some examples that got kind of picked up. Like obviously, Grave Diggers is, is a is a great high concept album. I think they, they they had about two two albums, but the the whole idea of these this macabre horrorcore album that with personalities that just kind of fit. A completely different genre, and I know the whole horrorcore thing, you know, became big a little bit after with Insane Clown Posse. But yeah, let's face it, they they don't 
I don't know. I've never been a fan of them, but yeah. So I think those those two those two artists were were ones that I also wish to this day. I mean, I, I don't understand why. Well, there's, there's never been any more material or attempted comebacks from from the goats. But Lords of the Underground. I don't know if I've told you this story uh, in on another podcast, but I, I actually turned up. Uh, Camden, no, no, it wasn't Camden. It was Kentish Town, Kentish Town Forum, to mm. to see Lords of the Underground, um, probably about ten years ago, and oh. I I've never been more excited, thinking that I was going to get to see, um, yeah, one of my all time favorite nineties mm. hip hop bands, and they pulled out at the last minute. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. It was cutting. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the um, Kentish Town Forum. It was. I'm trying to think. Was it the Kentish Town Forum? It was. It was somewhere in North London. It was one of the uh, one of the small venues hmm. um, that that occasionally tends to do hip hop rap acts. But yeah, <laughs> why did they pull out? Gutted. No excuse given. Not not a single reason. Hmm. I, I don't think they even made it into the country. Well, we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we don't know. Uh maybe it didn't sell out. Um yeah, it we never know. <laughs> it was really strange because it, it it really annoyed me because a similar thing happened with um you know the Rizza the Rizza and, and Paul Banks they have mm. that weird that they that weird collaboration that they do. Um and I went to see that and because again that not many people know that that Paul Banks, who's the lead singer of Interpol, and RZA are best mates, and they do this, they they do this weird kind of crossover um, so hip hop act. Yeah, it, it it really is odd. But even they managed to, they they didn't sell out. I think it was Coco in Camden. They didn't sell it out, but they just mm. happily moved it to a much smaller venue um, with. You know, which was packed out because the amount of people that mm. still were available. You know, they didn't give a monkeys. They just went, did it. Didn't care that they were two global superstars, basically doing a gig in a basement of a, a nightclub in um, Old Street. Nice. So you think if if he can do that, if they can do that, why the hell did uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lords of the Underground? Yeah decide they couldn't be bothered to to do the gig in um, North London. Cocaine to deliver drug. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we should get on to the thorny subject. I know we've kind of hinted at it and kind of it's got a couple of mentions already, but from a a 90s point of view, we've already said that that was the golden era of hip hop. There's, there's There's not been anything quite as good since, but what what are our feelings on the on the the hip hop output currently? Is there anything out there that we think people should listen to, or is there you know do, do we think there's there's they're generally missing the mark? There's there's nothing really good. It's all going you know horribly wrong with auto tune. Jake Holden, uh, Jake Holden, Kendrick. There you go. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, TJ, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you first because this this is this is your this is definitely something you want to get off your chest. No, 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 no. I, 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 I prefer to check myself 
um, with this stuff because I think it's very easy for any um, for anyone who not just uh, our generation but generation before us and before that it's very easy for for us to fall into a default position of oh yeah things were so much better back in my day because X Y and Z music was better TV was better films were better yada 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 um, because at the end of the day those are the things that you have emotional attachment to those are the things that were part of your you know formulate lives those are the things that you were partying to when you were younger those are the things that kind of create the person that you are today yeah all that stuff so you know you because of that because of our attachment to these things they always feel like they're going to be better than the things that are current and of the time um having said that no not really um no i <laughs> but um so yeah i i you know, there there is a there's a lot of talented artists out there um, doing their thing. It isn't like, you know, to my ears, there's a lot of stuff that sounds very very similar. But also to caveat that, I don't really go digging too deep for current hip hop and whatnot. So I just kind of see what's on the surface level. A lot of the stuff I listen to is old school stuff because that's just what I want to listen to. Um, you know again shout out to a lot of you know a lot of the bigger artists or the more popular artists now like your jay coles your kendrick uh on the uk side guys like dave stormzy all that all those guys like those guys are doing their thing got respect for them that you know that you know they're they're um you know they're doing their thing and I, I feel like from what i've seen they're doing it in the right way um you know they're, they're trying to be create well they are being creative making lots of money but they're still being creative and doing their, doing their thing and not, um, I don't say selling out, but not going like over the top commercial or commercializing their stuff. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I think, you know, I have a love for what I have love for what I love for what I love, um, because of my emotional attachment to it. I'm never going to love anything that comes out like now as much as the stuff that I loved back then, because it's kind of, it's, I say never, but it's, it's kind of hard for me to have that same kind of attachment to newer stuff. So, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent to, to a lot of current hip hop outside of, I mean, that's not saying there aren't things that I really like, but a large portion of it, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's great. I hope the kids are enjoying it. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Imran? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't have said much else than what Tej said. I mean, it's kind of like us, now guys in our 40s, talking about the state of pop music. Like, it's not for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever mm-hmm. artists are it's putting a, out. Hmm? You say that, pop, pop music fell off in the 90s. <laughs> That's why I started listening to hip-hop. <laughs> 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 well yeah I, well, I I kind of feel like like current hip-hop would fit into that um that sort of logic of you know you, you are if we're talking current current you're talking about guys in their 20s kind of making music for their generation and it's a sort of thing where it's like well I don't necessarily think we it's it's not really for us you know there's the only sort of current guys I I would 
of sort of from the new school, so to speak, is again Kendrick, as you say, Tej, um, and Anderson Pack. Um, and mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, I, yeah, I like, I like, yeah, he's he's awesome. But you know, he is so much of it. You know, a lot of it is soul based as well. With he's got a great, vo- he's got a great voice, got a great vocal voice. Also, so. also, sorry, just to interject. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, uh, disagree with me or agree with me um, if you like. But I think the reason why I identify with the J. Coles and the Kendricks and the Anderson Packs of the world is because a lot of the stuff that they do is very much a throwback to the stuff they were doing in the 90s. Yes. In terms of their style, in terms of their flow, in terms of their beats and the, the, and the way they present themselves. It, to me, anyway, it, it's very, like, they could fit in very well with that 90s. Like, if that stuff had come out in the 90s, yeah. it would yeah, it would have been fire. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think that's why I kind of gra- I've gravitated towards guys like that but you know yeah yeah you're absolutely right i i, I mean I, I i actually in many ways as i mean this with all due respect to him as well but I, I look at kendrick as a jazz artist and just as much as a hip-hop one i think his like to yeah, pimp a butterfly true. album it's that's a jazz record front to back i mean it was created by jazz musicians produced by a uh, largely by Terrace Martin, who's a jazz mu- musician. Um, you know, you there's uh, yeah, it's littered with with kind of jazz musicians throughout, and it's a, it's a sensational album from that that kind of point of view. But you know, I'm, I'm still you know, in terms of like what I would currently buy, buy very very little uh, like contemporary hip hop. But I, I gravitate to bless them the oldies. I'll still buy a Jay Z record enthusiastically, uh, a Q Tip uh, or a Tribe Called Quest record, um, Outcast. You know, Big Boy is primarily the guy who's, who's releasing music of the two of them, but I'll still buy their records. You know, um, um, Nas, I haven't picked up the last couple. but um, I've heard the last one's very, very good. I've not yeah, had a chance yeah. to listen to it yet. Dan said that I as well. Do you say that as well, Dan? I think I seem to remember you sent a message somewhat recently. Um, said are, we, are we talking about magic? Is it? Yeah, is that the recent? No, isn't it the King something? The last Nas one, isn't it King something? Uh, he he had he's had two that were called the King's Throne. No, the King's. I can't remember that. But yeah, there, there's two there's like number two as well. Yeah, I yeah. The, the, she she's Spotify. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there was, I think, the last release was was called Magic. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. I believe there was a Kanye one. Yeah, well, Magic. Which was unpleasant. Yeah, Magic is the 2012 album. Oh wow. Twenty uh, twelve. <laughs> Oh, 2012. <laughs> I was saying it as I was looking at something else. <laughs> I was going to say, geez. I was like, Dad, you look good. Wow. <laughs> Let's try that one again, shall we? Um, yeah, Magic came out in 2021. Right. Um, and King's Disease came out also in 2021. Oh, yeah, because he did two. Wait, yeah. what? King's Disease, one, one, 20... two. Right. one yeah. and two, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard one of them, and I, there was a couple of good tracks. I didn't like the second one as much, uh, and again, it, it it just isn't the same. I mean, it, it, there's always a, a couple of good tracks which you feel nostalgic about, and the rest, well, me personally, I just felt indifferent to. But oh, really short tracks as well. So that, what that three minutes, two minutes? Yeah. None of them break four minutes. Sorry. Yeah, but no, I agree. I agree with you, uh, mostly. Tees. Yeah, I don't. Um, there's not a huge amount that I'm current. I was not. I don't really dig either uh, for like a lot of contemporary like hip hop. So 
Um, mm. I, I'm mainly sticking to say the, the the people I know, apart from uh, yeah, Anderson Pack and Kendrick, who are, are sensational in their own right. Mm. Yeah, good choices. I mean, I, you, surely you both listen to Run the Jewels. Yeah, no, actually, that's a good shout. I do like Run the Jewels. Got time for him. Okay, Imran, you... no, I don't. It's the Killer Mike project, isn't it? Yeah, Killer Mike and LP. Yeah, I know of it. I haven't. No, I haven't got it. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, also, if you if if either of you like Wu Tang, then the closest you can get to uh, from a nostalgia point of view to to the nineties Wu Tang is um, Zarface. Have you heard of them? Mm-mm. No. Yeah, it's um, several members of Wu Tang with also members of Seven L and Esoteric, I think. You get that right. And it's Killer. Killer. I can't remember. Um, killer Mark. No, Killer. What? Killer Priest? Yeah, that's a guy. Or Master Killer? I think, I think it's one of the fringe, one of the fringe Wu Tang guys. But the good thing is. There, there, there were quite a few of them, to be fair. There, yeah, there was almost like three generations before it then had the the killer bees motif, and then the killer bees motif. It just got out of hand to the point you hadn't got a clue who who any of the people that they were releasing albums of yeah. were anymore. But um, yeah, that that's a really that's a really good act. I, I totally recommend that if you mm. from from a nineties hip hop point of view, it's it's kind of stayed uh, true to that, and it. Because they're you know they're good mates with other Wu Tang members you know you you always get um, Ghostface and the late great MF Doom who was still occasionally really? putting out some some good work but I, I think one of the interesting things you you were already talking about it there Imran is is what we feel about some of the artists who you know have have made our top one hundred hip hop list you know how we feel about their their more recent releases, because right. obviously <laughs> we we touched on Nas. His um, you know, I, I think his last three albums, they you know they're okay. They're not. I don't think there's anything incredible there. Mm. And uh, Dr. Dre just did. Is it is a, a Grand Theft Auto? I'm sure it's like some... it was a yeah. It was a there's a, a new mission in a Grand Theft Auto, and it's I think there's a lot of the VO work in it. I don't know if he released any tracks for it. Did he? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, there, there's, there's, there's a. I don't know if it's an album or an EP, but there's, there's an album with a lot of collaborations. I think it's got. I'm pretty sure it's got Snoop Dogg and Eminem on it, and and a lot of more contemporary. Are you rappers. talking about the Compton album? No, no, no. Uh, this, this, this is really Compton recent. Album came out ages ago. That was like yeah. 2015, I think. No. This, uh, this oh, Black, like, Black Privilege. Is that what you're talking about? No, it's it's to do with Grand Theft Auto. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a single on Spotify called Black Privilege, and it says... Oh, yeah, so, yeah, as a Grand track. Auto, the the con- yeah. yeah, Grand Theft Auto, the contract. Yeah. So that's exactly. the name of the mission. No, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that, well, that, that, for me, again, I'm not I'm certainly not an expert on this, but that seemed to be the, the latest um, release from him, and I think... Actually, that's interesting. There's quite a few. Sorry, doing a bit of Spotify digging my playing. There's quite a few tracks on this that connected with this GTA thing. There's one with Dre, Snoop, Buster, and Addison Pack. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's one with 
uh, Ty Dollar Sign, and Nipsey Hussle. That's a great name. Yeah. Um, isn't isn't he died? Is he he died? Nipsey Hussle. Oh, have I got that wrong? I don't know. Oh. Anyway, um, that's a bit macabre. Yeah, okay, interesting. But they're all singles, though. they're not an album, but they're all connect- they've all got the same art- artwork, which is connected to this GTA thing. So I don't know why it's just do an EP. That's weird. Yeah, uh, it, it, it does exist as an album, I, I swear, because I, I, I've got it. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying, oh yeah, there yeah. it is, found it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was lying as well. I can't believe it. Spotify being weird. They've got like, there's like seven tracks, I think, but they're all split and put down as singles, but they've all got the same artwork. So it's just put it in one thing and stop being awkward. Stupid, <laughs> stupid website. Anyway. So I was going to talk about Kanye West, but I realised that did I, we probably can't because I don't think he released anything in the nineties, or did he? I'm oh, he produced oh. in the nineties. There produced. are there yeah. are some productions yeah. in the very late nineties, but yeah, his uh, college uh, graduate is it college graduate uh, college yeah. dropout? Excuse me, uh, college dropout came out like two thousand and like three or four. I yeah, think. he yeah. was producing a lot of stuff though. Like you say, kind of late nineties. He was low-key one of the most prolific producers around that time as well, just no one really knew him. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, some good yeah. stuff for most F and uh, uh, Kwame yeah. as well, yeah. So, uh, But I, I think, like, artists like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, they... The, the last album that was put out probably about five or six, seven years ago, it, it's really strange that the RZA, who was this titan of production, seemed to try and, I don't know get away from the trademarks that made Wu-Tang and all the solo albums they did so good. He he, he seemed to try and, I don't know, it was, it was as if he was, he was trying to be more contemporary and, and trying to kind of modify the sound. And it just really, I don't know, I, I don't think they, they ever really, well, under, under his, yeah, under his tutelage, I don't really think they, they reached, yeah, the same heights. Whereas... They've all kind of split. Even RZA. I mean, I was just listening to his songs that he did with the Flatbush Zombies. Um, all right. Yeah, and he and he's got another solo album coming up soon, uh, which is again it's it's under his Bobby Digital moniker. Which oh yeah yeah. God, that hasn't he hasn't done that in about for a long time. Yeah. yeah, probably about fifteen years, maybe I don't know something like that. But yeah, so it, it's interesting that you know. You get you know, Ghostface did is it is it No Time to Die? He did did his own um, comic series, and then the, the the albums that tied into that comic series. So I think it's weird that there's kind of that there's pockets of of some of the groups that we still loved back in the nineties making or producing content, but. It doesn't feel like like I, I can't imagine getting that excited about an Eminem record or a Snoop Dogg record or, or you know kind of any of the nineties acts on our top one hundred list. If they when when they do something now, I'm kind of like I don't know. I raise an eyebrow. I might I might check out a couple of tracks, but I genuinely might. But that's a, that's. 
sorry to interrupt. It's a really interesting point. So I was just smiling over what you were saying about Wu-Tang. I mean, they, it's a really kind of interesting point. It must be difficult scenarios for people who can come out and with a very clear and definitive sound um, like, like Wu-Tang did, but you have a group of, was it nine um, sort of, yeah, about nine, 10 members and, you know, each have individual projects. They each become artists in their own right. Each their, their tastes evolve and grow. I know RZA got a lot of stick uh, from them. I think he's been sued by several uh, over money and royalties and, you know, the direction of the group and everything. And then it becomes a lot of everybody has different ideas, but if you stick to the same thing, you know, the thing that brought you to the dance, are you evolving as a group? So I always get kind of, I mean, always intrigued by people that kind of come with a very definitive and clear sound. Are you, do you have the freedom to evolve it? Do you want to evolve it? And how do people respond when you evolve it? So it's a really kind of interesting. No, uh, no. And they shoot on you. It was the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they do. Yeah. They, and they will as, as I guess there is a, kind of found blessing. people don't like change we, we I, well yeah but they do it, at the same just, time just, because because it, they, they can be quite like they, they think they think they, they like change they think they want change but then when they get change they're like oh no no no, 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 no they can like be this. quick like to it. say like oh he's doing the same thing again do you know what i mean you can but then you when can they do but then when they, tra- as well. then when they change it up and then do something different they're like oh no no the same as good as his old his original yeah. stuff yeah, I've been guilty. I've been, I've been guilty. Everyone's been guilty of it at one point or another, where an artist and and I think to your point, like we, people forget that these guys are artists, and the stuff that they did before they got popular would have probably been different from the stuff that they did when they got popular, which will di- be different from the stuff they do in ten years, twenty years, thirty mm. years, whatever. Because as an artist, you're always looking to do something creatively that inspires you or you know, whatever it is. And it's not necessarily always going to be the same stuff that, you know, you've been doing for the past 10 years. I mean, and some of it will work, some of it won't. But I think fans, and again, I think this goes to the emotional attachment um, of it all in that, you know, you listen to something, you get attached to it because it strikes at a point in time of your life and you love it and you grow up with it or events happen around it that make you latch onto that thing and love it with all your heart by a certain artist. And then they go and do something different. And it, you just, it, you struggle to resonate with it because it's not what you were expecting or yeah. not what you were hoping for or what you built up in your mind. Like you go, Oh yeah, I'd love to hear a new album by Buster Rhymes thinking it's going to be more of, you know, the coming or that sort of stuff. And he comes out with some, you know, metal <laughs> stuff or I don't know, whatever, mm. because creatively that's where he's at right now. And you'll be like, oh, no, this, this isn't what I, this is, I, I know I said I wanted new stuff, but actually I, re- I really want his old stuff. Okay, so I'll, so I've got two counters to that. So if you take someone, sorry, I'm, I'm generalizing there, but no, no, yeah. I no, I com- I, yeah. I completely agree with you. I, no, you're absolutely yeah. right. You're, in terms of it is difficult to evolve a sound. You know, mm. I, I suppose the the counter to that is someone like Jay Z, who who was mm. very chameleon like, uh, sort of as years went by, and made very logical uh, transformations mm. in his music. He he didn't he never hopped on trends. 
you know, he he, yeah. he did manage to find his own path and he got to the point where he could literally handpick producers over the last almost 15 mm. years. He could just say, I want you. And it would be like, yes, <laughs> no problem. Um, so, mm. he, you know, he was able to adapt. And I think that's been the key to his success. But if you convert, if you compare it to, say, gangster rap, now gangster mm. rap, you had to evolve because I, I think that's why 50 Cent ended up kind of failing because I think people can only tolerate it for so long. Snoop Dogg mm. evolved. He, he didn't, he's not, he's still not making gangster rap records. Dr. Dre evolved. You, like that was mm. a genre, I think with a limited shelf life. And I think if you are still making gangster rap uh, records, 15 maybe, or so years into maybe, your career, people maybe you're are going to be bored. Yeah. 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 Maybe you're just a gangster. For yeah, life. exactly. It's kind of like the postman came. Wow. It's like, oh, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> I think, I, I think, and, and that's actually a, a a point I was going to touch on actually is that there are, when I, when I look down through this list again, you know, there are some people like, eh, do I want to hear a new album by house of pain? Not really, but um, you know, there are some artists like a Jay-Z or for me, like a Pete rock and CL smooth or um, looking down through the list um, like, like a Nas maybe that, you like didn't like you say jump on a trend or were specific to one kind of style like like a Wu Tang Clan. Their, their style was so unique mm. um, and so fresh, and that's why it caught fire. But the problem with that is that it was is is the the good thing about it is also the bad thing about it because it's very unique. So do you keep doing that one yeah, thing exactly, yeah. forever and a day, which is unique to you and is is your property your you know your your thing or do you try and divert like you say you know there are a million members in Wu-Tang Clan and I'm sure all of them had their own creative ideas and styles and you know wanting to go in different directions and do all sorts of all sorts of stuff and you know when people listen to it it's like well this does this guy's supposed to be from Wu-Tang but this doesn't sound like Wu-Tang mm-hmm. this guy's from Wu-Tang so you know I, I think that there are some artists that have I wouldn't say like timeless styles, but like, you know, styles that can, you know, like you say, adapt and, and change slightly and, and, you know, move with the times or, you know, can operate in a crossover zone where, you know, they're, they're doing a track with an R&B artist or they're doing a track with a, you know, a rock artist or, mm. you know, that all that sort of stuff. Um, and there are those guys that are just, I don't know, gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> I always make, the, following yeah. on from that point, it's obviously it's not a, a specific hip hop um, uh, artist, obviously, but like it, that that kind of, that expectation that an artist has attached to them. So I, I, I had a conversation with someone recently about Adele and I, I always feel like Adele was one ballad away from having everyone turn on her because every time <laughs> she, she, she nails it, every single time. And it's like another big blazing ballad that, yeah, you know, pop music uh, embraces, radio embrace, fans embrace and say, this is amazing. This is better than the last one, which is better than the last one. But then I'm always kind of like, well, when she Imagine goes... just waiting for her to trip up. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> at what, I up feel like at what point she's going to do it, like her, the next record, which, you know, she'll release the next time and then it will be like a big blazing ballad. And then all of a sudden, you'd never know at what point you lose them and everyone will go, oh, another ballad. And she'll be like, what? Wait a minute. When, <laughs> at what point did, did this change? I don't know, though, because if you look at... Uh, sorry, I know this is supposed to be a hip-hop 
thing always drifting into that. But it, but that's a very interesting point because if you look across all of her stuff, you kind of if you're not, I'm not a fan of Adele's. I think she's talented and all the rest of it, but I don't listen to her music because it's not for me. But I would guess because all of her albums go like, is it like nineteen? Like, isn't like, isn't it that, her, that age yeah, she age, was? Yeah, 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 her age, yeah. So to me, if she's doing that and her lyrics are resonant with that period in, of time in her life, yeah. as her fans grow with her, grow up with her, if she keeps following that stick, the music or the tones or the themes or the lyrics will evolve and change with the, with her, with, with her aging fan base, right? So in theory, she shouldn't ever really lose like fans of her. Mm. So it's not like she's still like doing ballads about being a love struck teenager. Yeah. Like she's now talking about what it's like to be in your forties and your fifties and you said, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So if that, if that's what she's doing again, I, I don't know her music well enough to no, know. I only know what, doing, what she releases in my yeah. mind. Yeah. In my well, mind, I feel like that'd be a smart thing to do. How do we get here? <laughs> Let's talk about Dolly Parton for a second, well, well, because I worry. Well no. <laughs> well, no, I think I think actually I think this is a very, it's a very uh, very valid point as well in terms of um, hip hop artists as as they get older, as you know, like again, as Anaz is doing his music or Jay Z is doing his music, and talking about evolution as you get older, mm. you know, you have to if you want to keep your core fan base and stay relevant, you have to also mature and grow with that audience. So you can't be singing about the same gangster bullshit, bitches and hoes and all that stuff that you were talking about when you were 21, when you're like a 51 year old dude with like three kids and a mortgage. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you need to rap about having a mortgage and three kids, but <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you can, if you, I mean, if you've got a good flow, maybe you can put it on. But you know, you like to Imran's point, you have to adapt, man. You can't be, you know, sticking to the same shtick if you want people to still give a shit about mm. you. And it's that tightrope that, between doing something different but still maintaining, taking that those fans exactly. with you. So it's really exactly, difficult. yeah. But I think the the good thing about most hip hop artists is they can literally just cherry pick producers. Um, so any new producer who's, you know, kind of making waves and doing really well with an, any new artist, they can kind of say, right, I'm going to work with you now. Or if there's any other specific hip hop or rap artist who's, again, new, shiny and getting a big audience, they can they can um, get on their record or they get them on their record and collaborate. So I think that... that with with hip hop, you've got a lot of shortcuts because just it, work the la- the latest hot thing, basically. Well, yeah, and and you don't really get that so much with other music. I mean, ad- admittedly, you know, sort of rock, metal, pop. You know, you you can obviously get different producers, and you, you know, you can work with anyone you want, but you you don't see it much. Whereas there there are some albums from certain artists, and, and you look at the amount of different producers and other rappers that feature on that album. And it, it's like a cast of thousands. It just gets, it just gets unwieldy to the point of ev- almost like every track has its own concealed identity. Uh, but one mm-hmm. of the points I really wanted to make about today's kind of rap and hip hop is there's no big 
there are no big personalities there's there's no there's no humor there's there's nothing there's no parodies there's no i don't know that no. there's just not the, the levels acts. yeah you need, I mean, another, you need another digital underground basically exactly or some mix a lot i mean even if you no 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 right (laughs) let's not let's not do that one again shall we (laughs) but 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 even if you think about dale the funky homo sapien uh you know he had some some kind of crazy lyrics and ideas and 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 again you know even buster rhymes you talk about you know the uh, leaders of the new school was it leaders of the old school leaders of the new school leaders of the new school yeah leaders of the new school and then you know even when he was was first you know he branched out on his own hmm. he's you know bags he, of he, charisma yeah bags of charisma personality i don't see that even i, I love kendrick lamar and i think you know he he's put out some incredible records but i don't see the level of charisma and character and personality and mm. and kind yeah. of raise a sharp wit in a lot of the the bands and artists that that are out there at the moment that, yeah, that we did of, in the 90s i think maybe i agree actually i think anderson pack's quite uh, got quite a bit of charisma to him yeah, um, when, I've, when i've seen him in interviews and stuff and j cole can be quite funny but yeah i mean i i, I kind of i think I think that's a very good point as well. There aren't there aren't those kind of big, um, big characters anymore, really. Yeah, the world is maybe just too serious. I don't, I don't know. But I, I've oh yeah, hey, chuckled to laugh about the twenty twenties, mate. Someone, <laughs> someone, point, someone pointed out that like, the twenty twenties is just the biggest load of shit, man. As soon as we, <laughs> it's like everything that bad that could happen. And we're only in 2023, 2020. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> 2022. Oh my God. We're only in 2022. We've still got another eight years of this bullshit. <laughs> Can yeah, we just get to the well, 2030s and be, and be done with it? This is, this is not going well. <laughs> Hip hop shit. is fucking. <laughs> oh, that's that, that, that said Liverpool won a cup today. So, you know, it's not all bad. But um, yeah. <laughs> they did. That's true. Um, yeah, it's um, it's crazy times. But yeah, I mean, you may, maybe you got a point there. You know, maybe there isn't that that, that much uh, that much space for humour in um, in uh, in music these days. But <laughs> on a, but, you know, whatever. I, I don't. I don't want to layer one downer on another downer. But oh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I. It's difficult to have a conversation about. 90s hip-hop stars without kind of acknowledging how many we've lost in the last 10 years which is i don't know it's um it it really if you if you start to tally up uh the fact that we've you know we've lost key members of tribe we've lost key members of uh beastie boys we've lost key members of digital underground Mm. you know it, it goes on and on it and I think that that does. It, it's quite sobering when you think that people are starting to die of old age and other kind of health-related causes that that makes mm. us as a generation feel very old. Whereas at the end of the nineties, well, kind of sort of mid mid to late nineties, people were dying because they were being killed by various different gangster-related feuds. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, you know, it's just, 
again, it's a it's a generational thing, right? You know, we're we're in our forties now, and you know, a lot of those guys would have been. Oh, I don't know. When probably about ten, five, ten years older than us in like the in the like nineties, I guess maybe. I don't know. But but also the lifestyle that quite a few of them probably led may have led to health implications further than. I mean, you get it's not just the hip hop thing, right? You know, you got the same thing in rock, you got the same thing in pop. Oh yeah, yeah. All Can... people that all people that live in that Completely. that sort of that sort of bubble. Um, I think it's yeah. just a little bit more rarefied because out of the groups that could potentially still produce a consistent level of hip hop similar to what they produced in the nineties, you 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 would immediately put Tribe. I know I know mm. it, it took a long time and it was a posthumous release. Um, That's such a good album, though. Yeah, mm. but you you know that that. That them that that Beastie Boys, if they'd done another album, that that you know that they put out was it Hot Sauce Committee two? They again that they that they rushed that out um, mm. before Adam passed away, knowing that he was in ill health. Mm. Whereas at least with Tribe, I mean, I I don't know Iman. Well, you both probably know a bit more of the story of how that album came about when it was recorded and but it, 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 it at least they squashed their beef before mm. um yeah yeah I, I thought yeah in mind, I think you, you might know more than, but did they did they um record a bunch of stuff knowing that he was going to pass away or uh, I okay, that's um, a good question actually he I don't know what point. I mean, it was all recorded together. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. it was necessarily a posthumous release. In his, I, I know Five had passed, but everything that he, all of his verses were, yeah, it was recorded. Like yeah, stuff, it wasn't. Yeah, they just yeah. plucked stuff like the Biggie's kind of Biggie stuff. They just plucked it from various songs and unrecorded, mm-hmm. unreleased stuff. But yeah, he was present. Uh, it was all in good. Uh, in good spirit everyone you know i think there was a, a thing about five wanted to sort of was considering moving nearer to q-tip afterwards you know so i i know i mean he's had it was it was it was, was it kidney related uh issues that he, he it, passed and he's yeah, had that for was, years hasn't he it was due to his type yes two that's right yeah. Yeah. um but so i don't no, know no, at what point you got ill um in, in relation according to his According to according to Wikipedia, which so it has to be true, um, he the album was incomplete when he died, um, but they continued to work in it after he, mm. he passed. I, I thought that was the case. I think he'd done most of it, but I, I know there were some tracks where they got people to sub in for some of the parts that he would have done or something like that. As yeah, well. they reference his passing I think, as well on I think it's the yes. last track or, or, or yeah, one yeah, of, yeah, one of the sure. tracks. So yeah, I knew he had passed obviously while making it, but um, yeah, it was. Obviously, you've done it with the intention of. of... Oh, there's a solo album as well. Yeah, it's coming soon. I think is it March or April? Um, uh, yeah, there's a solo album, a five album coming out as well, which is I think it's just the second one. Um, I have his uh, the ventilation one, which is brilliant. Uh, Like it came out in two thousand, I think. Uh, Mm. It's a really really good release. Um, Good Pete Rock stuff on there actually. So yeah. Oh, nice. Do you think um, Q Tip will do any more? Do anything? else i think he will but he 
he said that there wouldn't be anything tribe uh because of Fife um and, yeah. and his passing but um but you know I actually I think if they wanted to do another tribe album I think they they should feel free to do it to be honest I think there's enough of them that could carry that banner from Jairobi returning Buster Rhymes is practically family you know um and so I I think there's enough of a contingent to actually you know, continue. I mean, if if you're going to talk about a tribe album without all three members, uh, you know, actually Ali Shaheed isn't on that last album, and uh, which rips yeah. me apart because I'm a big Ali yeah, Shaheed fan. Weird. He was doing the Luke Cage soundtrack, so he couldn't do it. He was they sent him stuff to listen to and stuff like that, but it was like, come on, just scratch on a couple of records at least. You know, I don't get why he mm. couldn't have done anything on it. But yeah, so they've actually already done a tribe album without all three members. So. I think they should be free to continue, but I'd obviously respect the decision not to. But what about Beastie Boys? Do you think that I think they've publicly said that they wouldn't yeah. under the name Beastie Boys? They said that they, yeah. that, that that wouldn't happen, which I you know obviously completely respect. Um, mm. But yeah, I think Q-Tip will have another a very at the very least a solo album. That I think that was initially supposed to be his solo album. I don't know how much of it he was working on an album for years called The Last Zulu. Uh, and it became that tribe album. So I think he's he's a bit slow in terms of when it comes to actually putting his stuff out there. But when he does it, he you know clearly nails it. And that, what you had said earlier, Dan, about you know using contemporary producers and stuff, it's pretty much all him. It's all Q-Tip, just like the first three albums were. So again, to his credit, he can still go out there and perform to that level. And uh, yeah, it's a phenomenal release. Um, on a random note, I don't know if, if any of you realised that Naughty by Nature, they did an album where they re-recorded loads of their original hits and it and and everything was just not quite as good as the original, which was just <laughs> one of the... <laughs> was it like one a live those... album or something? Or... Oh no, my God. I don't know. Like Because every now, every now and then, every sort of two or three years, I go, right. How do you get that wrong? I don't understand that. I, I look I look, and I say, some of the hip-hop artists, you know, did they do anything else? Did, they, did, did I miss something? Because there's, there's quite a few releases and, and albums that either get bootlegged or didn't get put out or just didn't get any kind of promotion um, because as soon as, let, let's face it, as soon as MTV died, and I, I know radio didn't die, but I, I feel like quite a lot of the promotion of hip hop kind of died with that. So I always check and I remember like I, I downloaded uh, a Naughty by Nature, what I thought was a new album. And I was like, okay, well it's got, it's got original tracks, you know, original hip hop tracks from the from their nineties releases and, and then I listened to them and I'm like, they've re recorded them. Uh, this is really sound, odd. And they sound shit. <laughs> they don't sound well it, it's just it, it's like something that was perfect and of a time and then you've got it you know, your older version of you doing a slightly slower version <laughs> of the same like it, it would make I guess it would make a bit more sense if they kind of did I think hip hop. One of the big things in hip hop is they love doing sequels to everything. Yes, <laughs> mm. like yeah. over and over again. Like I think, um, is it Ray Kwan? Is there, there's a Cuban Links three album coming out? Wow. I didn't even <laughs> so know. Dude, that come, was... 
Come with a new name, man. <laughs> like, you're not yeah. even trying at this point. But, is, but isn't it? It's a really big thing where they try and it's like lightning. They've got the lightning um, in a bottle and they try and siphon the lightning off into another bottle that's similar sounding. And then again and again, it's like, no, 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 this, this is the sequel to this. It's part two. It's part three. It's part so, four. So the one where um, that, that that is definitely a hip hop thing. And the, the one where it really worked uh, well that I love um, across, I think, um, going back to Jeru, uh, across Jeru's first three albums, I think, or maybe because I think it's about five albums. But anyway, like I think across like three or four of the albums, um, he's got uh, this track. Well, in the first, in his first album, it's called um, "You Can't Stop the Prophet," and it's basically just him talking about. It's a really clever rap about um, he's a prophet and he's fighting against uh, these bad guy these bad guys called ignorance, um, jealousy, hatred. But they're all like fully fledged characters. It's like it's based like a comic book. It's, it's really cool. Um, but he but the story continues throughout the albums. So in the next one, he's got like Return of the Prophet. Um, and then like the next one is like the final act of the prophet and then all the stories interlink with each other. So like he's fighting these guys and then he goes, and then in the next tune, like he goes into like another area and he fights a bunch of, and it's, it's quite a clever, um, trilogy of, of stories. Um, sounds awesome. That, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. There is an obsession with it from an album perspective. You guys are right. Yeah. I was just thinking, I think Jay-Z has two trilogies, which makes no sense. And um, I think didn't didn't Method Man do a Tikal the not prequel? That's work. <laughs> like I, I think yeah, Method he did, he did he the did prequel, it. didn't it, for Tikal? And it's like there's nothing that makes it. The it's like, prequel of Tikal? Yeah, it was like Tikal Zero, the prequel, something like that uh, for one no, of his albums. St- no, stop it. It's just like it's, but it's kind of like it's not, it doesn't extend beyond the title. Otherwise, it, and then it's just like a standard album, and it's like, well, why have you named it that? Like, oh, you're not. God. If you had done like a all produced RZA album, for example, and called that to Cal One Two Prequel, it, it makes sense. a bit more sense. Yeah, you, know, you, you have to yeah. follow the theme. It, otherwise, this is an album Thanks that doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, even now, I mean, Nas. We were just talking about those two recent albums, King King's Disease One and right. then King's Disease Two, and I guess. From the point of view of Nas, he, in each of those instances, maybe he worked with the same producer. There, there was something to the storytelling and the vibe that he kept the same and the same mm. approach. But yeah, I, <laughs> um, I guess that is something very prevalent with hip hop. I mean, even you know, even I was just saying, you know, that the, there's a new RZA album which is. Uh, something like the Kung Fu Chronicles or something like that. And it, he doesn't produce it. It's DJ Scratch. I love DJ Scratch. And it, yeah, and it, but it, it, it's very like, okay, so is this Wu-Tang? No, it's Bobby Digital. But because it's about Kung Fu, it's definitely <laughs> going to feature a lot of the whole, you know, very kind of typical tried and tested uh, – Kung Fu Shaolin identity that Wu Tang has, so yeah, it's it's, it's weird that, that they always seem to be desperate to keep some of these things that that they they view as 
success, what what got them success, what got them notoriety, and they constantly return to them, which is why I think when we talk about reinvention and new produce new producers and working with new artists it it gets a bit complicated because i think quite often there's a lot of artists who are who are constantly trying to turn the clock back mm. yeah yeah so i think that just about wraps up our, look at that our, guy. <laughs> our hip-hop episode you were waiting one hour and 32 minutes to say that weren't you yes (laughs) i thought we were done when we started talking about adele but you know on it went should i get informer now kill me now oh god do it do it no 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 i can't believe it what a great way our ratings would go through the roof if you did it (laughs) i'd need an instrumental of it you didn't on lf Huh? You did it on LF, and you didn't have an. That was quite, that was quite a few years ago, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> but there was no okay, instrument. Here we go. Here we go. Go. Right. I'll try. I'll have one go. If it's bad, then you'll just have to edit okay. it out. I thought we were editing this all out anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I don't, I don't <laughs> even know why we're still talking. <laughs> Informer, you know, said Adam Snobby, I go blam. A licky boom boom down. Detective man said Adam Snobby, stab someone down the lane. A licky boom boom down. There you go. Oh, God, that's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh wow. 54 episodes, you've finally done it. What? That's so cool. Still it's so it. hard to do without the actual song in the background. <laughs> I'm having to do that from my head, so there you go. I mean, uh, I mean, you were, you were, it was a thing of beauty, mate. That was awesome. And now TJ will do the entire of Please Ham, I Don't Hurt Him. <laughs> <laughs> Which ironically was the first concert I ever saw. Oh, uh, yes, I think you see, I remember you saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. And so uh, and I went to go and see him at uh, somewhere in Canary Wharf. And I think Bloody it was a concert hell. venue there, and uh, and I I vividly remember because uh, I managed to get to the front uh, right sit where we had seats or whatever tickets right at the front, and they had these massive hammers on hydraulics, like six of them. <laughs> Uh, at the front of the stage, and uh, he did his last his last song, and they were going really really fast, and like everyone's going nuts, and like, ah. and then it finished, and then the the swinging of the hammers, so basically it was just like a hammer going down, and somehow they caused the mechanism to just like gather momentum. So when they stopped going up and down, they started swinging back and forth and everyone in front was scared shitless that they were going to, these hammers were going to come flying because they did not look safe at all and everyone was like oh, oh. Uh, so yeah that's my MC Hammer story were they Thank like you. inflatable yeah. hammers or like no 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 wow. they, no they were massive they were like metal um, like and I, I guess it was they were they, um, they lit uh, were lit up as well wow okay. so they were like lights and they were like had like metal frames they looked like they were heavy if they'd have landed in the crowd at least three people would have died. Wow. Well, I have to say, I'm glad we got this story in before we ended. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the favourite things I've heard ever. Also quite depressing that that was my first ever hip-hop concert. But there you go. Go on in, man. Your first ever hip-hop concert. You don't have to tell us what it, how long it was and if there were giant hammers, but what was your first hip-hop? Dudes, I don't know. Um... I think, it, oh, it was Jay-Z. 
It was Jay Z following on the Blueprint Two tour. Oof, mm. oof. Wow. All right, that's that's not terrible. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's not MC Hammer. It's but, not MC you know, Hammer. No, no, no. Yeah. Or Snow. And it's not bra- uh, or brand new heavies. Or brand but, new heavies. Yeah. No, no, no. That's pretty cool too. Private yeah. gig on a roof. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, mine was done? credit to the nation. Say what now? Who? <laughs> credit to the nation. <laughs> No. You can say it as many times as you want. I'm not going <laughs> to recognize him. <laughs> so he he did a rap song that um, sampled Nirvana's "Smells Like Teen Spirit" called "Call It What You Want." Damn. The UK hip hop guy. Oh wow! Okay. All right. It's really it's really good. What was the second track? Oh, Teenage Sensation. Come on, guys! You must yeah, you must no. know this. No, <laughs> this is big charting UK hip hop. Was it no. big charting? No. Yeah, like I, I mean, top ten, top of the pops. Okay, yeah. We're gonna you have what, a what year, this what year was this? What year was this? Nineties, nineties. Yeah, yeah. I would have been too busy listening to Snoop and Biggie. So and MC Hammer. <laughs> I'm out. And MC Hammer, of course. So I'm out. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, you've got to give, got to give some UK hip hop some love, right. man. Come on. I did. I mentioned Dave and Storm. Yeah, that's now. I'm talking about nineties. <laughs> you tired. All right, all right. London Posse. There you go. How about that? London Posse. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. See, fair enough. Right. <laughs> on, that, on that, on that bombshell. Shout out, London Posse. This how's life in London. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's call it a day without using the word rap and uh, thank you all for listening to our top 100 hip hop episode the reason I say that is because we will soon be putting out an article listing all all. how does that how does it work out each was it 35 songs 33 33 33 songs that's not how that's each where we have trawled through our favorite ever hip hop tracks from the 90s so go to the website and we will release that soon but yeah thanks all for listening and see you next time bye bye Please, with my action, will you be in traction? If I use a knife, you'll be in traction.
from abuse. We die in one, not by town. If you kill one, not all of us are down. We're here for a purpose, not for you to murder us. Fussing and fighting just the eight of us. Like an overcrowded bus or the January rush. Lots of people, all they need is a push. Call it what you want. 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 Cause I start the tracks and wax and jacks and max and plaques and flex and jacks. Take it to the climax. I don't care. You better be aware for your welfare. Nightmare coming like a hardware. Compare warfare. You better not dare or stare in my face. I kick you into space without a chase. <laughs> and I'll put you in your place. I'm telling you, destruction isn't fun. You better get out to my face, you little bum. I can't send this. We can't trust this. What because of color? We gotta bust this barrier. It's a few too cultures. We say you treat us funny and you say we are like vultures. We're all the same, don't judge by color. It's just that you're like, and we're a lot duller. Call it what you want. 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 I walk like you, talk like you, joke like you, move like you, play like you, dance like you. <laughs> mm, I do? I guess something's different You may be better something We feel a lot better So don't knock us Or put us down Cause some of the times We make it rule the clown Like sport I'll make it short Football running Any old sport Test for dancing Who's the best Vanilla or ever Eyes can't test There is one thing That I'd like to see Before I die And that's a U To the N To the I To the T Why? Why? It's so easy all live in one and live in unity. Come on, come on. Unity. 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 Call it what you want. 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 So I'm just shutting the door. You shut on the door? No, shutting right. the door. That's, that's totally what I got. Are we, are we recording now? I can't see. Yes. We are, yeah. Okay. That's staying in. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the... Close Encounters of the Third Kind Podcast. God, I've forgotten the name of our own show. Oh. I'll do that again. <laughs> Close Encounters of Nerd Kind. It's been a while, guys. I haven't done this for a long time. Leave all these outtakes in him. That's what I'm you. <laughs> yeah. This is gold. 